Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Sorry I didn't get that episode out this weekend that I was going to, but yeah, I'm back here and I actually have Ryan on Skype. He was on an episode a few ones back where that was titled Keith gets told off by a pastor. So <laughs> <laughs> I get to be back to tell you off again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So anyways, yeah. I don't think I really told you off, but I definitely yeah. had a different opinion than you. It's all so. clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> clickbait. It's clickbait, bro. Yep, everything news. All pretty much every title, it's just clickbait. Most of it, like we talk about yeah. for like two seconds on the podcast, and then so I make it the title of the whole thing, you know, whatever. Anyways, I'm gonna grab a hey, beer real quick. And so we're gonna get today rolling. I've got Ryan here, right. and uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Colts. He was listening back to. Uh, an episode that we talked about Rob Bell and that stuff, and he kind of want to give his perspective, like from an ex-pastor, uh, someone who's just really studied the word a lot. And uh, you know, like I've said before, I still believe there's tons of truth in the Bible. There's, I mean, it's a, I still believe it's a God-inspired word for sure. So, um, so he's going to share a little bit about that today and talk a little bit about cults and maybe get into a little bit of Rob Bell's specific teachings if he so wishes to, but I'm yeah. just pretty much just going to... a lot about Rob Bell, yeah. but I do want to talk about the Word of God. That's my reason I wanted to be on. I ask you to be on. and uh, yeah. I just have a lot of uh, training and re- just reading ancient texts in general uh, for my Bible classes where I've taken college classes on it where it was just apart from the Bible even. You know, it was... Uh, teaching us how to interpret and read documents in a correct manner. You know okay. what I mean? Like, yep. cause the Bible's a document and, uh, it's a collection of documents actually, but either way we need to read it right. Like we would read a newspaper article or a street sign or anything else. You know what I mean? You have to read it with correct eyes before you can do stuff with it. And I feel like that's where yeah. a lot of our churches get twisted. Our denominations get started. Well, even ourselves. I mean, I feel te- like yeah, bad teaching. And I feel like stuff myself. Like that, that's know? why so. I like having people like you around to like know the Bible. You've studied it. You know how to read it. All that stuff. Because I don't know what I'm. You know, half the time I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know the context of it. I don't know, you know, what was going on in that time. So I don't know. Like yeah. I, I need people who know their Bible too because. You know, so I definitely could be wrong on everything that I've ever said in my life. So <laughs> I'm willing to admit that. Well, so. I feel I feel that way too. I feel like if uh, the main thing is you're bringing forward a document that's thousands of years old, you know what I mean? And most people are applying it like it was written last week, you know, and that's just not the way it needs to be happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just that's not true. That's not how it works. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where I was at. Is that uh, the way that we teach stuff? There's a, a acronym that I learned in Bible school. You know, acronyms are like uh, abbreviations. You know what I mean? Yeah, that just mean letters. Something. Letters in and, order uh, for different words. Yeah, letters. Yeah, that mean stuff. That mean real words. And it was called comb. They said, you know, you should comb the te- text. And uh, comb just stands for context, other passages or other scriptures. Basically, you have to compare it to itself, and then the uh, then M is for meaning, and then B is for uh, background. I'm pretty sure. I have okay. to look. I, I rewrote it down here. I might hold on. I gotta look. Yeah, background. 
So <laughs> I wrote it down again. So I just didn't look at what I'm looking at right then. It's been, jeez, uh, like 12, 10, 12 yeah, years yeah. ago that I took this class. But yeah. uh, anyway, but the point of it being is, is the way you look at it. Like, so let's say just a quick super, I'm going to be super quick, not to bore anybody, but context is just basically meaning when you say you got to look at who it was originally written, the setting, not like, you know, like the backdrop of what's going on. Where are we at? Blah, blah, blah. And so if you look at it now, like I was thinking of it when I was earlier yesterday in the day, like I knew I was going to be on here. So like look at like a street sign. You know what I mean? Like you see, like the context of it is, is like it's a street sign. It's uh, let's specifically use like a handicap sign, Uh no parking handicap sign. Okay. You look at it. Okay. This is a sign. It's in the context is that it's a, it's made to inform people. It was made to direct people. It's in a parking lot, so there's a big part of its context. It's going to direct yeah. what? Parking. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not going to direct all of life, <laughs> right? It's yeah, not yeah. meant to show you everything about everything. It's meant to signal parking in a correct manner and who, tell people where to park and not park. So we know it by its location, its context, who made it, You know, the people put it up, the, the stuff like that, the context of the – Everything. So you got to look at all that for the street sign. You look at that same thing for scripture. And so you got to really dig in and see its context because you can't take it out of a context. And you can't, it, it wasn't written to us. You know what I mean? The Bible wasn't written to people in blue jeans and t shirts in, yeah. you know, 2018. It was not, not that way. So anyway, context and then other scriptures. So like it can't. The other part means it can't mean something outside of what it means as a whole. So, um, like, the street sign can't mean something outside of an informational sign meant to direct things. It can't It can't mean something else, and it can't contradict five other things, you know what I'm saying, like, inside of what it's trying to say. It, yeah. the, people don't contradict themselves in typical speech, and neither would a writer of a book or the Bible. So cohesive things, it has to match – with other things. So if like a, a different example is if nine things say it's black and this one thing you're reading seemingly says that it's white, you really should reread and check it to the others. It's got to be meaning something different because there's no reason yeah. that an author would tell you nine times that this thing's black and then at the end tell you it's white unless it's a plot twist or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like the, a red uh, flag that you're misinterpreting something if you've got a different – you know, when you're comparing it to itself. Yeah, like if the culminated whole says one way, but it's like, all right, me alone out here on my island, I say it's this way. I've got to be willing to look at things and say, you know what? I might be wrong on this. As a matter of fact, yeah, I absolutely. probably am. You know, if 90% of Christian culture is saying, you know, this, and I'm saying something else, yep. regardless of what topic or what sin or what doctrine it is, like, if I'm deviating from, which is, you know, the term, the definition of a cult itself is deviating from the scriptures. So if I'm deviating yeah. in any way, I need to be able to look at things and say, okay, well, I'm probably wrong here and I need to, you know, absolutely take this into context. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's not, it's, that's the thing where most people get it. It's like the, the real point that drives me insane. I mean, just to get off topic, just a quick minute that drives me nuts is that when people say they don't interpret it that way or whatever. Like that's yeah. There's only one going, way to interpret it. Yeah. There, yeah. That, yeah. The reason we comb stuff is because it literally. That's the whole point. Is it can only mean one thing. The yeah. the writer, the original writer, meant one thing when he said it. 
he didn't mean ten things. He said one thing. Like if I said, "Hey Keith, you're an asshole," right? <laughs> like I only <laughs> mean one thing, right? I only I didn't mean that. Like Keith is literally a body part walking around with two legs <laughs> or whatever. Like I meant Keith being a jerk or whatever. You know, and you yeah. can't interpret it in any other way. And I don't really think that you are. I'm just trying to pick something. Sure, whatever. Like, you can only say what it can only mean what I meant it to say. And so when Paul writes a letter to someone else, it only meant what it meant to the Corinthians at that time. And then our job as a new as a New Testament reader thousands of years later is to see what was he talking about when he told them. Yeah. And then how could I apply that today as if it were talking to me? And so the thing is, that's the thing is different people. It's so far back. It's different opinions on what he might have meant or what he could have said. But the real uh-huh. thing is, if you look at like you just said, if thousand if the ninety nine percent of all Christendom for thousands of years has interpreted it this one way through doing these things. And you disagree. You probably don't disagree with you. You probably disagree with the Bible. You know what I mean? Not disagree yeah. with the interpretation. You need to look at yourself. Do you, are you probably are just disagreeing with Christianity, not disagreeing with the interpretation of the text. Don't twist the text around to fit you. This exactly. is what the text means. Just and it's, say you don't agree with the Bible. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, if you're, willing to admit that that's not you know necessarily a bad place to be i mean if you disagree figure it out see where you land yeah. on it but yeah yeah don't don't change it to align with what you do agree with so yeah don't you're not have it there's nothing new under the sun that's a just quote of scripture yeah i mean it's <laughs> you've not you're not going to reinvent the wheel you're talking about a book that's been studied for thousands of years by men probably a lot smarter than you i'm just going to say a yeah. lot smarter than me hands down you know what i mean like there's some really great thinkers and scientists and people who have studied and even naysayers and atheists and every you name it somebody's tried to read it disprove it approve it i mean it's been scrutinized more than any book in history and if you think you're going to find something new in it, I don't know. You, you've got another thing coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like. Anyway, so to get back really quick, just the last two things was the CO. We had O for other scriptures. M was meaning. And so like it can't mean something. We just said that it can't mean anything that it didn't mean before. So you have to search for the original meaning, not your own meaning. And then how then how do you apply that? Like I said, it, you have to look for the meaning that it meant like a reserved handicap sign it says yeah. you know it can only mean it reserves a parking spot for handicapped people it doesn't mean like you can't cut half the sign off and just where the little picture of the handicapped dude is it just says reserved parking and then you go oh shoot they're saving me a spot thanks bro yeah you know like you I mean? can't like, you can't look at it and say okay well uh the handicapped guy is blue so it's only for blue people or yeah. uh he's in a wheelchair so it's only for wheelchair people you have to look at the actual context yeah. of what the meaning actually is yeah i, or I understand a lot that, of people yeah. do it all the time with the with the dot 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 on in the scriptures you know they take half the scripture yeah. and they they mean like that's like reserve parking cut the handicapped dude off and be like look god has reserved oh i think well I'll... you gotta read the whole thing oh. you know what i mean like you can't take half a sentence and twist it to fit yourself you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I lost you there for a split second, but I don't think I don't think okay. I missed anything. So, <clears throat> okay. Well, anyway, it was about the meaning. Anyway, and then the B yeah. is the background. So B is just like the the entire background of the people and you know getting the idea and the history. So the entire point of the comb thing is to get like I just keep saying is to find the original meaning 
for the original people and what was he trying to say to that person at that time. So like the Bible, you have to read it as though it's the chronicles of interactions with God. Mm -hmm. It's like this person interacting with God and how did they interact with God or what did Paul say that they were interacting with Paul about Jesus and what was their – you have to look at it like how do you see it from their shoes and their eyes and what was trying to be said and meant to those people in their setting with their tools and their trades and their businesses and their monetary system and their belief system and their worldview and then everything that it meant to them and then how does it now then apply to me. And so anyway, my whole point of saying all of that is is that that's why it should be done and I feel like yeah. where we get it all twisted – in the new era is every pastor that I've been around in Charismania, USA, you know, <laughs> is that everybody's looking for a prophetic interpretation of the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where we're trying to search for a meaning from one scripture to another and apply this prophetic, and if you can see my fingers, they're in quotation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prophetic twist to the scripture where you're trying to find something new under the sun to Tickle the ears of your eyes. Speak so that, whoa, father of the Bible ever, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? You're trying to put all these new scriptures together to fit your vision, your dream, your, your whatever. You know what I mean? And it's perfect teaching, you know what I mean, is what they call it. And it's just, uh-huh. I don't, I think that's where it gets twisted. It's not being taught from a specific man or in a different way you know everybody's not trying to take it from a specific point back to like what did it mean to adam and eve and exactly at that point and then okay look and see how can we apply it to ourselves it's being taught from a point of view of this self-imposed prophetic thing where you're trying to fit it to your own yeah spot you know what I'm trying to say? Like you're trying to fit your own agenda with the scriptures. You yeah, know I mean? for like, sure. And I haven't – honestly haven't been to a lot of churches. I mean the church we were at together, that was like the main church that I went to. And, you know, I went – I visited a couple before that. But even all like all the churches that, you know, not to dog them or anything, but like that, you know, like Bethel and like Bethany and um, any of these other churches – but I, I see where you're coming from with that. Like always trying to find the new prophetic thing or God's trying to speak through the scripture. And I think God can like remind us of scriptures for sure. But I I think I'm with you on that. Like I don't think I don't think God's constantly trying to reinvent what his scriptures mean. I think yeah. it, when we look at the Bible, like it says what it says, you either agree with it or you don't. Yes. So. Well, I I feel like a lot of people – the, okay, so there's this doctrine among Protestant Christians worldwide. Whether it's when I say Protestant, it's pretty much Catholic too, but they have a little bit different Bible. Uh, I know we have some Catholic bros that you know on here too. They have a few extra scriptures than we do, but I'm not sh- I'm not fully sure. The only reason I'm saying this is because I'm not fully sure the exact Catholic beliefs. So I don't want to speak for them. Is why I'm the reason I'm saying that part. But okay. anyway, among the Protestant, you know, when I, Protestant being from Baptist to Charismatics to you know, Pentecostals, every other thing but Catholic uh, in its denominations. Um, we believe in a doctrine called Sola Scriptura, which is Latin for one scripture. Okay. And that's why. Yeah, explain this. I have no idea what that what you're talking about. Okay, so. well, well, Sola Scriptura means that it's we cool word, believe though. that there's one word. 
uh, one Bible. That, that's where you get everybody to say is like, you know, from the book of Revelations, uh, where Jesus said, Revelation, not Revelation, <laughs> the book of the Revelation of John, <laughs> where it says at the end, where it says that the scriptures should not be added to or changed. It's actually talking about the actual book of the Revelation. People apply it to the entire Bible all the time. And then it always talks about the Word. Okay. Jesus was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. They, they always say the Word of God. There's, you know, the, the Word is a lamp to my feet, the light to my path. Most of the time, it's the Rhema Word that's being spoke of. Uh, you know, and most of the times when it talks about Word, when it says the word Word, there's Logos and there's Rhema. And the, the, it's different things and different meanings. The at different times are used, that's the Greek words, and in different spots it's used in different places. But anyway, the okay. entire point of it being is, is that the whole Bible is seen as the actual Word of God. There is no extra. It's the book of all books that guides everything. There's no – it's a, one book, one scriptures. There's no more scriptures. There's no extra scriptures. There's no second testament coming, you know, the, a new New Testament. Yeah. It is the book. It's finished, start to complete. That's Solo Scriptura. Um, it's it's good. I like the Solo script. I mean, Solo Scriptura is a Christian doctrine we've had for a long time. But to me, it – it it's be it becomes challenged with when the word rhema word, which is the Greek word for breathe word, the inspired word, this prophetic thing yeah. that I was talking about. That's the rhema stuff. That's just, this is the God breathe section of the Bible. That it becomes challenged with that when you begin to twist it and and go with different directions and move it to fit your own system there there's a post that someone put on your facebook page a while a couple days ago about and you guys were talking about it uh-huh. and where it's talking about the certainty being a direct opponent of faith which is true yeah yeah i mean but not in a way that it leads you away from scripture but a way that challenges you to scripture like i my solo scriptura i love it in the way that it leads me to god you know what i mean i don't believe the bible's a history book also, yeah, these are historical book and, and the New Testament, especially um, the Old Testament. When you get back to the oral tradition stuff in the very back, like you were talking about in one of your other podcasts too, with Noah and different things, like those are oral traditions and stories. I am not. I don't. I'm not going to talk about the accuracy of history of Noah's Ark. You know, I mean, I don't know how historically accurate <laughs> Noah's Ark is. You know yeah, I mean? like, yeah. I've never. I, that's a different topic for a different day. I'm just saying the New Testament is ridiculously accurate. I mean, it's it's awesomely accurate. Yeah. Um, Luke, like Luke, and you know he's a boss, dude. Like he writes down weather patterns and freaking island. I mean, he's so accurate with geography and scriptures and people's names. He's naming people, and these are books that are being published during this time. And you know, I mean, like it's this is like if it was fake news, you know, like Donald Trump style. You know, like, <laughs> They would have been called out and hammered, you know, like he was writing this stuff and publishing it at the same time. Like these are letters being passed around, yeah. naming people, naming places, naming events like earthquakes and things that everybody would have called BS on. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so these books are very historical. And so the the importance of the Bible to me is that it, it charts God in my life. It shows me God interacted with man. You know what I mean? He redeemed man. His resurrection is all important in the New Testament. All of those things to me are unchallengeable truths that 
I see as historical fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? The part where it begins to muddy up for me is the Rama section of it. And where do we go from there? Like the Bible was written by men who had experiences with God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and what, what I want is ex- my experience with God. Like I don't, I want to write the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, I want the Bible to be written in my own heart and I want to see that as everybody else's, but not where it, dev- the thing is where people get it is they, they get to where God deviates from the scriptures. That's the problem. That's where Sola Scriptura rain, is meant to rein us in. And that's where guys like Rob Bell and, and all those other dudes, the Christian, it's call them heretics is because they're going beyond the boundary of scripture. Where yeah, and like, I like what Nate said specifically about Rob Bell, that he doesn't necessarily align himself with Christianity anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he well, had, I mean, he, he consider him a Christian. He's not, you know? Yeah, he wouldn't even call himself a Christian anymore, but that's why, but there's a lot of Christians that have been, the reason, uh, on a separate topic, is the reason that people still dog him in Christianity is because he started that way, and lots of Christians are still sucked in by him. So it's just the the watchdogs of Christianity still like to yeah, bark yeah. when protect our own face, people. Basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my point of it all is is that that's when any false teaching, so to speak, comes about. It's because that's steering people from the base of what they feel is the scripture. You know, because yeah. um, Rama can't. To, the way Christianity teaches is the rhema word can't exceed the logos word, which is the written word. And what they're really meaning to say is your experiences from God can't go beyond the boundary of what God's already revealed. You see what I'm saying in the in yeah. the scripture, yeah. which I don't I don't know if I necessarily want to agree with that that God has limited Himself to the Word. I don't think that he's going to contradict his word. That's the thing that I, I think people get thing. I don't, he's not going to go against what he's already done. Like if he's shown himself to be kind, 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 he's not going to be a dick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, All yeah. Of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like I was telling you, with the the ninety percent doesn't outweigh the one percent or whatever. Uh-huh. Or, or the ninety nine doesn't outweigh the one. But like, I don't want to box the thing with Christianity. I feel like is that we box God in to our small doctrine that we are uncomfortable if God moves beyond that. And that was the point of the article that the person posted and the person who wrote it is that the op- the opposite of faith is certainty is when you've narrowed God down that he's only contained by yeah. your theological understanding of him, then he ceases to be God. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if you can narrow God down to a page in a book and like me as a pastor for years, I felt like I knew God. Like, and if you told me something different about God, like I would say that God's super big, but I don't know him. But if you tried to tell me something, I would be like, no, that's not God. That's yeah. Not yeah. God. That's not him. That's not him. like, who am I to say that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be so narrow in my, and boxed in on God. If he's, if I can fit him into my eight pound brain, he's not God. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a fact. Yeah. For we can't sure. Teach that he's, all powerful and all big and all everything, but I can't fit him into my head. Yeah. I've I've been really digging the whole conversation about certainty on the podcast and on the uh, Facebook page and everything lately, because I like it. I mean, from that, that post that uh, I think it was Alex that shared it is really cool because she was saying that um, like certainty, like I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that 
like you were saying, be, being certain about what I believe is going to take me away from God, but it is not my faith. You know what I'm saying? Being certain about what I believe in God is not my belief in God. Like, my faith is yeah. defined by my experiences that I've had with Him and my relationship with Him. And those other beliefs that I have are good, and even some that I'm still working through. And I, I think that's even good, too. I heard a quote today on a song that said, uh, essentially, it was like, you're lost until you go through the desert and find yourself, essentially, is what it was yeah. saying. So I, I thought that was really good because if I'm just if I just take everything at face value of like what my pastor says all the time, never take the time to think it through myself and figure out what I believe, then essentially do I even believe that myself or am I just believing a bunch of BS that was thrown at me? And yeah. f- for a long time, that's what I was. And not that it was all BS, but like, you know, like you and Tom and all the elders and leaders – I just took whatever you guys said. All right. They said it. It must be truth. But since leaving the church, you know, I've had the time to think through things. And I was talking to Amanda today. And honestly, I wanted to talk about this on the podcast today. Um, I didn't tell you uh, about it, but it won't take that long to go into. I was uh, actually praying on my way home from work today and uh, just thinking of like, you know, why am I a Christian? You know, so... I think more than I want to be right, I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. I want to have God with me, you know, more than I want to be certain or I want to be completely accurate about all my beliefs. I want to, I want, I want God. And I think everything else is going to work itself out because regardless of anything else I'm unsure of in my life right now, I still know that God's real. I still know that I'm fighting to know him better and you know maybe i've you know overthought a lot of the stuff that i've been doing lately and you know i i think it might be good for me just to kind of step back and just kind of have you know in the christianese terms like a little bit of childlike faith for a while you know and just kind of all right god i'm not sure what's going on here i've got a lot of stuff i'm questioning i'm doubting but let me just focus on you for a second. And I think, I don't yeah. know, I think it's good to get that mindset. Well, that's what know? faith is. That's what, I mean, that's the entire Hebrew, you know, chapter 11 of Hebrews is. It's the yes. champions of faith chapter. But it's basically describing a ton of people who had major uncertainty that cling to God during uncertain times. They yeah. had hope. That's what it says, for the culmination of hope. So what I'm saying is, is that God shakes up things when you get too certain of him. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's where I feel like my last three years of life is, is as a pastor, I became to a place of certainty with God in a place of, you know, in a, in one way, in lots of other ways, all kinds of different messed up spots. But it become, when I become certain of who my relationship is with God and my path with God and my comfortability of my relationship with God and my, you know, Oh, I'm not a sinner like those people type relationship with God. When I became yeah. this pharisaical douchebag, that had God in a box. <laughs> I don't you know think you were ever saying? a douchebag, but <laughs> well, in my own heart, I felt like a Pharisaical douchebag. And I'm saying God shakes that up, and I'm glad He did that. He had the that He loved me enough and loves me enough to shake me up. Yeah, and say, "You're certain about what?" You know what I'm saying? Like, let me show you how powerful I, re- I can be. You know what I mean? And just 
take your world, flip it upside down, let you become yeah. a non-pastor. <laughs> let me show you that I can love you even if you're in the world, of the world, a part of the world, from the world. You know, like let me just rock your world. You know what I'm saying? Like take certainty and throw it out the window and let me reveal myself to you. Yeah, that's you know, cool. Like, so um, just real quick, can you – because I know a lot of the people who listen to the podcast know you, um, but there may be some that don't. Can you just kind of explain like your in like real quick terms or however long you want to take um, just kind of like your journey the last few years of, you know, going from being a pastor, you know, theologian, studying the Bible, out there evangelizing, blah, 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 to like where you're at now? Yeah. I mean, like in a quick sense of that I was, yeah, a pastor of, uh, I don't know, I mean, hundreds-ish. I don't know. I never counted. We counted yeah. school and stuff, you know. I don't know. Uh, around 100 to 200 probably kids and over, at one time over the years, a lot of different kids. And yeah. Ten years as a pastor, Bible. You know, I've been to Bible school and things like that. And um, Anyway, and uh, but coming from a place of nothing, coming from a – you know, radical salvation in my twenties from a drug addict and an idiot to a pastor, um, and saved. And then anyway, and then to a point of feeling, uh, in multiple ways, you know, reasons for leaving the church, you know, um, some differences between the pastor and myself. And, but a big reason part of it is, is, you know, I know God was getting me to step back and question my own beliefs, my own faith, my own ideas of who he is and what church is. And, he began when I first left. He began to lead me to some of my other pastor friends that we were friends, but yet didn't really believe. And you know, we didn't have the theological box wasn't quite constructed the same. Yeah. And they were showing, you know, showing me what the, the not that they're not in their own box, but their box was different than my box. So we were comparing boxes and uh, of God, and uh, he was. I began to open my eyes that my box wasn't the only way, and yeah. pulling it down, and then just becoming. I know it was him. One one of my great pastor friends. Uh, uh, I would say great, like he's a great friend of mine. Like I don't I haven't talked to him like a daily or even monthly or anything, but I would consider him a great friend. If I saw him, I'd hug him and ask him where he's been and hang out with. You know what I mean? Like he just lives far away now. Yeah. And uh, we were hanging out, and he was like, I was telling him like, man, this is all blah blah blah, and I was kind of venting to him, and he's like, dude, just go with it. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, just <laughs> let God take you down the freaking rabbit trail, bro. Yeah. He's like, don't – everybody that's Christian is going to tell you you're stupid and that you're a sinner and you've fallen off the wagon and the map and you're a backslider and you're a, you're not going to be – you're not saved and blah, blah, blah. He said, don't listen to him. He said, you know, you need some time. You need some Ziklag time, David. You know I mean? That's the story of David yeah, with yeah. the Philistines. But, you know, David was refined into the king from – Philistines. I mean, if you look at the story of David, man, David has, and I have some real serious correlation. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and he learned a lot in Ziklag about who he is and where he was, and you know, um, and he wasn't uh, super godly. I mean, David had lots of ungodly moments, but the thing that never steered far was his heart for God. Mm-hmm. And in the moments when he was strong with his heart, when he was re- the most real with God, uh, you know, that's when God's and his bond became more. I mean, when you read it as a story. And that's where I feel like God strengthened me lately is the last few years is as I've let the religious walls down and became a human that is, you know, not perfect in any way. Most people wouldn't call me very pastoral these days or even, you know, I, w- I don't walk the 
the good Christian line in every area of my life that many people would draw their box as. But I feel like God is really revealing himself differently to me in greater ways. And I know that he's not done with me yet, maybe not pastorally, but I don't even know where. I I just know that uh, I always want God in my life and my children's lives. And I mean, there's no other way. And he just, I feel like he's growing in me and my understanding of him um, in different ways, you know, and this is one of them, this, this word of God thing. That's why I felt passionate about it. Cause, uh, I, you know, to bring it back over to that side again, I feel like, you know, listening to lots of people and, um, on Facebook or on whatever, on podcasts, not just necessarily yours, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get uh, one thing that see, I see is a lot of people always bring it back to the way they feel. It's this, yeah. New age, my postmodern culture of how of self-centered. It's not new, but it's definitely relevant of this. Uh, yeah, and I definitely self-centered ideal of who God is. That everybody has to find it for themselves, their own truth, their own understanding, and that's just not the reason I talk. I started out with all this comb and solo scriptura and all that crap was to say that that only is one thing. You shouldn't be searching in your quest for God what he feels to you, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Cause God, God is what he feels to you. You know what I'm saying? Like he is God and he is who he is. If he's all powerful, he certainly does not need you to help him in any yeah, way. No, I hear Our you. Our quest should be to find out the external truth of who God is. Yeah. And then how do we apply that? You know what I mean? The truth exists. I mean, whatever what this culture says, truth exists apart from your brain. You know what I mean? Like, and who you are, yeah. like the truth is a specific thing. It's not what you feel it to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's not, it's not a liquid ooey thing that everybody feels. And that's, I feel like in, I know we've said that, but that's what I, everybody's saying it. I hear it even in Christians between two Christians. I feel, I believe it means this. I believe it means that. Well, it doesn't believe, it doesn't mean multiple things. So well, it's easy. It. Yeah, I feel like it's easy to get caught up in that when you live in a culture that's so, and not just in America, but like our whole world. Our culture is yeah. so based around feelings and emotions that, you know, it it definitely it it takes having someone like you, in in a person's life to keep them level headed. I feel like especially especially like me growing up in this generation. And everything just being so focused on emotions and feelings, like, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, well, this truth doesn't line up with my feelings, so uh, let me find another one. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to yeah. it's easy to get in that boat. So it, it's good to have people around, and and I would and I throw myself in that boat for sure, for the good and the bad. You know, I definitely yeah. do. Like that's that is me for the the pros and the cons of it you know and i need i and that that's what i'm saying my whole revelation air quotes today driving home praying and just thinking and stuff like that is is like man i feel like i just need to cool it i just i I still want to know truth and i still want to know god but i need to ask myself if the truth i find isn't what i like Am I going to believe it? Am I going to follow it? You know, and I have to stop. I have to be able to say yes. Like yeah. God, God I mean, is right. His ways are true. 
the stuff that he sets up are good and they're unchangeable. So, yeah, I mean, at the point is we got to yeah. find the truth and then aim at it or aim away from it, but not rewrite it and make our own new convenient truth. And that's where cults come in and different things is that we find inconvenient truths and, and then we yeah. twist them to fit through prophetic revelation or through whatever we find. I mean, that's where most of the cults start is prophetic revelation. I mean, that's how you've got, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses and Ellen White from the different, you know, uh, the Seventh Christian. Adventists and their beginnings. And yeah, yeah. they become from prophetic revelation where they decide to rewrite the scriptures in their own heart and then lead other people to follow them. I mean, they, and that's not where you want to be or anybody. That's Rob Bell. That's why everybody, you know, and I mean, honestly, I mean, that's where he was at, at the point where he was using slick teaching and, um, deep context and different things and taking and finding new meaning in scriptures that have been studied for thousands of years yeah. and teaching them to people in a different way, in a different light that was leading people from non, non-Christian values. And that's okay, whatever. He's just, no, the truth is he's not leading you toward a Christian faith. He's leading toward mm-hmm. a different Jesus that is taught in traditional Christianity. I mean, that's the thing is it's, we can't use right or wrong. I mean, whatever the dude's doing what he's doing, but from a, he's not leading you to the traditional Christian Jesus that's been taught for 2000 years. Um, yeah. he's leading you to a different form of Jesus using the same, a similar book, the same book, but with a different, his own convenient meaning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's, and that's different. A lot of people do that and can say that, uh, I mean, there's lots of cults and there's lots of, that's where we even get denominations. They don't get outside of the boundary far enough to be called a cult, but they don't agree on two different topics and yeah, they, they definitely start their have, own denomination. Yeah. They definitely have denominations definitely have like their lines drawn in the sand of like, Oh, well you can't be part of us. Yeah. I know. And it's, I mean the, there's the core tenets of faith. I mean, you get, but beyond that, that's where, that's where we even have that. We, um, I'm even saying that now. We have the core tenets of faith, and then we believe in the not the negotiable things or whatever. And that's what they're saying is like, as long as you're in the death and resurrection of Jesus, then everything else is whatever. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. um, because and when we say that, we don't really mean it. I mean, obviously, because I've been in the Christian church. We say that from our mouth, but then go back to our churches and we badmouth the dudes that believe <laughs> than us. <laughs> They're yeah. like, they just don't get it. They don't read the scriptures right. They're they scared. need they're what lost. we have. They're, yeah. they're our brothers, but they're our weaker brothers. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the intellectual capacity that we do and see it the same way we do. I mean, I mean, I, I just want to get past that. Like, yeah. what, what they're really saying is, is that they see Jesus in the Bible, is that Jesus is God, you know? And beyond that, they really, what they're trying to say is they don't know. So stop acting like they know. You know, I mean, like I, that's where I'm at. Like, stop that. That's where you, God has me. Stop acting like you know. Yeah, that's I know exactly. That God, Jesus is God, and from beyond that, I'm just gonna stop acting like I know. Yeah, that's exactly I want God where to write the Bible in my life. I want Him to interact yeah. with me. I don't want a New Testament in my life, but I want God to show Himself to me in ways that, you know, elevate my mind to his mind and mm-hmm. guide me in ways. And re- and I want the power of the risen Jesus, you know, it's Easter time almost. So I want the resurrected Christ in my life, man. I want to feel him and know him and let him show me where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to go from yeah. the certainty of 
doctrine, you know what I mean, and dogma that's hammered in my life from the people around me, uh, and, you know, because there's people around down the street that call themselves Christians and they don't even believe the way I believe. Like that's what's stupid is inside the Christian faith. Yeah, there's different <laughs> that don't get outside of the box. They they but they believe completely different things. I mean, sometimes you have you know? people in the same denominations in the same city but live on the opposite side of town and you know don't agree with one another but i know um honestly where i'm at right right now is uh me and amanda were talking today and she asked me like so what do you believe and i told her i believe god is real i believe he loves me i believe i love him and beyond that i'm not really certain on a lot but that's to me, that's what's really important right now. Yeah, you know, I have to my what, I have my thoughts, I but I don't see, have like solid, you know. The way that I plan, just to give you my plan for the future, my near future with Jesus, so that maybe it would help you or anyone else listening, mm-hmm. is that my plan is to exa- do exactly what you just said. I know that beyond the shadow of doubt that Jesus is the Son of God, and He died and rose on the third day. And that I want to follow him and I want him to give me a journey of faith. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I know that my life has been built on journeys of faith. I mean, you know me, Keith, and the guys listening don't know me, but yeah. I've always done things that I've pushed the edge of my, of certainty in my life. You know what I mean? Giving away large expensive items or oh, yeah. start crazy ministries or do things, leave churches, <laughs> give go up. to new careers. <laughs> Give up a hundred thousand dollar a year job to be a yeah. part time youth pastor. You know? Yeah, to be to make ten thousand dollars a year or whatever as a pastor. Yeah. Anyway, like I'm just saying, like I oh, I want God to give me a new journey of faith. I want to be. That's where I always want to be. A place of uncertainty that I can only cling to God. I know that in this and you know act, the funny thing is that the time that I'm in two years of being in the washing machine of the world away from God, kind of, so to speak, has definitely been a testing of my faith. But I feel like I'm ready and hoping and that I want God to push me to the next level of uncertainty in my life where I only can trust him that I don't, you know, I've read the scriptures so many times that I I don't need to read them again. I've got most of them memorized. You know what I mean? Like, well, the cool thing, I know what they're saying to me. Yeah. The cool thing about, like I was saying earlier, going through the wandering at the end of it, you know what you believe. You're not you're not just peddling a bunch of crap that you've been told at that point. When you've gone yeah. through the desert and you've been in desperate places where it's like, God, I need you to show up because I don't even know if I'm I believe this anymore. Yeah. When you've gone through the wilderness and when you've gone through all of that and come out on the other side, and that's that was a goal, the initial goal and what I believe is still the goal of this podcast. You know, because <clears throat> Whenever people go through, whether it's church splits or doubting of faith or anything like that, you have two things that can happen. You're either going to become stronger through it, and you're going to become more solid in your foundations, or you're going to stop believing. And my goal is that through this podcast, you know, sharing my own doubts and my own fears and, you know, that of others— and also like strengths of others and stuff like that too. Like just sharing our journeys with one another and saying, you know, not everyone is this perfect cookie cutter Christian. I'm hoping that can, you know, help keep people hanging on, you know? Yeah. So. Well, like I said, so, 
you know, we want to go forward and everyone needs to be with God. And I want to go in a way that doesn't lead me towards my own weird revelation. You know what I mean? I want to stick to a base of scripture, but I don't want to go in ways that I'm limited by my limited understanding of scripture. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't want to get stuck in this doctrine from this one church or this other church. There's so many churches with so many doctrines that are so much freedom or so much joy or so much holiness or so much passion. How can we say that the one church is the corner of the market and then they call the other one a liar and then we call them a liar. Like God's got to be bigger than and all we that. And we were part of that system. Crap. We definitely yeah. were like, you know, we have what, what other people need and we believed it even though, yeah. I mean, like what was, what was the fruit of discipleship that we were preaching? Other, like after you left and after – Disciple, I, I feel like when you left, discipleship kind of died with you because you were the big pusher for that. And I think it's just because you cared about people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's something that even after you left was a big pushing point. You know, we have discipleship and everyone needs to – all the other churches, I need to hear this. I'm going to go speak at other churches, hopefully be leader of a conference or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bro, where are your disciples? Like, it, this is what you're preaching. This is the thing that you have that everyone else needs. And, you know, not to just dog him because every church has their thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Well, we need, you know, so the the thing is, is we all got to decide what we're going to do as we go forward. You know what I mean? I was yeah. thinking about while you were talking, uh, I was here listening to you, but I also right before you started talking there's even like the Catholic Church. I went to a Catholic Church, uh, which I was—I don't know—it was like a couple weeks back. We went there for a funeral, and I was sitting there thinking, like, man, they've got some good stuff in here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I would sit back as my old self and dog them, but at the same time, I would think, man, they've got some—they're just as messed up as I was. They're in the box. They box God in. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're in the church box. They've got God in a church box. And this church, so it does. It's not just a Protestant problem or a Catholic problem. I feel like it's a Christian problem of boxing God into the church box. That this is the little box that God fits in, and if He does gets outside of the doctrine that we understand, we kind of have grace for that, but not really. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If, Even if we if have grace, we know that they're wrong, and we'll pray for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're not. They're just not as enlightened as us, or whatever yeah. you want to say. I mean, it's so silly, and I just feel like. I pray I'm thank God that I could get out of that box and as I go forward to take every Christian that I see and meet and what the way they perceive God and figure out how that applies to me just the way that I apply the Bible because if we we can't see you know I, I feel like sola scriptura fails when we see that the scripture was only meant to give us a historical reference of Jesus not I don't feel like it was meant to be the literal only thing that there's no more God. How can you say God's risen and alive and his Holy Spirit lives in me and his words written in my heart, but yet you're limited to the word that was written 2,000 years ago? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's what I don't understand. He says there's a day when the law will be written on your heart and the Spirit, your word will be, you know, be poured into you. And if you say you have the Holy Spirit, how can you say that the Holy Spirit's in me? I have a, re- I have a relationship with God and he speaks to me and I want to do these things, but I'm limited to what he spoke 2,000 years ago, that God is – limited himself to these you know 66 books and he can't do anything beyond that you know what i mean like that's that's just that's limiting god you know what i mean like i want to yeah get beyond that where 
the salt I want to be guided by that as like my base like okay this is the basic of what God did then but what does he want to do now you know what I mean I don't want him to contradict himself and who he is shown himself to already be but he's got to be more he's got to be bigger he's got to have deeper greater things for me and others and I got to be missing something I feel like Christians these days have got to be missing something by boxing him in and being certain of who he is I feel like at the very least we're missing out on deep relationship i feel like if we could take all those boxes down and truly become the body of christ we would see some ridiculous things happen at that point (laughs) yeah when we We stop when when we stop being scared of god being different and allow him to be whoever he wants to be yeah when we can experience what others experienced when you know we can take what each other have and build on it and take what you know and stop being scared of who the next thing you know to see god in the spirit as a wild stallion ready to do his own thing and being you know have a noah like story of my own to where i yeah do crazy things you know what i mean and everybody else thinks i'm crazy you know what i mean (laughs) and i'm doing because I have heard from the living God and I have faith that he's doing something in me, you know, and I'm not certain of it at all, but I believe that this living God's talking to me. Think about it, though. That's what Jesus was. That's why everybody was so pissed when he comes on the, the scene is because he is flipping all of religiousness on its head. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's tearing down every box that they built and he's saying everything different. You know what I mean? That the yeah, Pharisees yeah. are saying and they're all just upset about it. You know what I mean? And that's – we got to see that, that he's trying to shake that up again. You know, That's the whole point. We follow the, the guy who shook up religion, and he never meant to start another dogmatic Judaism, I don't feel. You know what I mean? Like they tried to do that, and then God yeah. kicks the door in again and adds Gentiles and – does all that stuff you know i mean i don't even get it and then even with the gentile church they tried to box them in again he says look he gave them like four things not to do yeah when they had that meeting he's like don't drink blood don't do this you know like <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuff that he didn't tell them they did not well, to do you know yeah I mean? and it's like, because i mean you know going into the council of nicaea or whatever it was um you know paul was it, it wasn't the Council of Nicaea, was it? It's, no, it's Jerusalem in the Jerusalem. book of Acts. Yeah, it was I was talking about it a minute ago. Yeah. But yeah, going into that... See, I, haven't, I need to get into my Bible again. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going into that meeting, he was like... Because they were talking about putting the whole law on the people. And Paul's like, bro, like, you couldn't carry it. What makes you think these Gentiles... Like, you were raised, born raised, circumcised on the seventh day. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like... Yeah, and you you've lived carry. it every day of your life. Your parents taught it to you since you were born, and you still can't keep it. Why would you give it to these people? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And God didn't give him any. He could have given him a thousand. He could have added anything to oh, the thing. And he gave him a was few, when the Bible was written. Yeah, a handful of rules to file to to help them stay on track. I'm just saying that's the thing is God's bigger. You know what I mean? Paul started churches by coming into places and teaching them for a, a couple months and then leaving. Yeah. He didn't sit down and give him a giant book of doctrine. He leaves and goes to another city, writes him a letter a few years later, maybe sends uh, Timothy over to check on him, and then leaves and just lets God do it. That's so (laughs) anti-church. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that – There's no trust in God like that in the church right now. Now it's like micromanage, oversee it, make sure it looks exactly like you, talks like you, walks like you. Or you have the exact opposite where everything becomes whatever you want it to be. So I think – what we have to do is try and find the middle ground 
where we can be grounded but be open. So yeah. so I, I really think because you have that, and I think the latter is in direct opposition of the prior because you have the dogmatic system that people genuinely believe in God, but they cannot stand the dogma of it. So they go start their own things where everything's just free. God is whoever you want him to be. And it's just, like I said, it's the, it's the opposition of the, of the prior. So if we could find a way to marry the two or fall in the middle somehow where, you know, there are things, there are, you know, things that I can be certain about and I can be grounded a little bit in who God is and what he wants for my life. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be dogmatic and I can give God room to be God. So, yes, but I don't want to create a God for myself. That's where solo scriptura is good is yeah. that you don't, it shows you a basic outline. I'm going to so study that, that never, it, a little bit. But it was never meant to be the whole. Yeah. I mean, that's where I feel like we get wrong is that we take it and instead of it becoming an a rough outline that is not, you know what I mean? Of maybe like God's toe or whatever. Like we've made it the entire thing. Like we've made a golden calf out of Scola Scriptura. And I just feel like that it is, that we feel like that we have got it mastered. We've got it memorized and this is who God is. And my life is bound to this book and everything that's in it. And I just don't feel like that that's where God wanted it to be. I feel like that, that's it was the outline of who God is and sh- to give us a basic understanding of him so that in the future as he reveals himself to us in greater ways and in greater things that we can know that it's we can roughly know that it's him and yeah. then go forward in a new way i don't feel like god ever made it or designed it to limit himself but in a way to to give it a way to test it to see if it is himself you know what i'm saying yeah like, i agree I think we use it in way too many ways to limit him and limit ourselves and put unnecessary, you know, burdens and doctrines upon ourselves when it was only meant to reveal God to us so that he can speak to us in greater ways. I mean, um, that's how I feel about it in these days. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get yeah, I just I don't want to get to where I make my own golden calf. That's where the soul scriptura is good, so where you don't make a God for yourself. Because I mean that's what lots of people do. Is when and so that's what I'm saying is if too is I don't want to ever get to a place to where I built this God that doesn't line up with that, like because of uncomfortability. Because again, truth is an external fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. If God does exist, which I believe he does, and I know that he does it doesn't matter if the, if God is real, it doesn't matter who he is. That's who he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, you know, what would true, suck? if God is true and he is the most powerful being and created the universe, he could be the biggest douche that ever lived. And we could do nothing about that. You know what I mean, and you could either choose to come underneath the system or perish. And he could, that's exactly how it could be. And that would be the way it is. You know what I mean? So, like you can't change the truth. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. So hypo- change the truth. hypothetically, like where would a person like this fall? Like you um, know God's real, but you – and you don't want to twist the scripture and you know, you know, hey, what the Bible says is true, blah, 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 but you just don't agree with it. Like how do you – like what do you align that person with at that point? Because they're not necessarily an unbeliever. They just don't. Like if someone 
reads the Bible or sees, you know, God in God's ways and just believes that God's real but doesn't like what they see and walk away. Like, what? what is that person? They're not necessarily an unbeliever because they, they believe in God, but it's like they walk away from God, so they just, I don't know, like, just I'm a, saying, a, a hypothetical point. After you've read the Bible, some people are turned off by what they've been taught that the Bible says versus what the Bible actually says. Yeah. And maybe they've even had poor teaching. You know what I mean? I mean, people that weigh in too heavily on the Old Testament are silly. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, those are stories. And they're oral traditions and they're different things. And, I mean, I don't see them. I see the prophetic things. And there's I see the, the prophecies in there that they help me identify that Jesus is coming. And I see all of that stuff. But that was a different time and a different understanding and a different everything. Jesus is the personage of God. That's where the resurrection is everything. You know what I'm saying? Like – I yeah. heard somebody say – I don't even know where I heard this at the moment, but it was not from a church. It was just a while back. But – oh, it was on the radio. That was where it was at, on 99.5 CPL. Like really? A, yeah. They said, they said uh, well, Jesus came to earth. That's what we're celebrating. And someone said, no, Jesus went – He Jesus didn't – we're not celebrating that he came down. We're celebrating that he's that he went up. And came back down again. No one's ever done that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's the understanding is that Jesus' resurrection yeah. proves that he's God and that he's everything. And that's the sweetest thing is that not, he didn't just die and he didn't just prophesy and he didn't just do miracles. The bro died, went to heaven, and came back again. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, and that's documented. by 500 yeah. people. And no one – I've never seen anyone do that or heard of anyone do that or whatever. This is what makes him – God, and then what we look at is when we, so we we need to look at it from a more New Testament point of view that Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus became a man so that we have a more perfect picture of who God is. That's what it says in Hebrews. Yeah, and I like how that, uh, uh, and this was a different topic. You corrected me, and this was we we're just hanging out last week or so, or talking or texting. I forgot what it was, but I was um, telling you about how different religions have claim experiences with God, but you mm-hmm. kind of corrected me on that because you were saying that, no, bro, that's what separates Christianity from other, every other religion because, you know, they claim be this good person or this or that, but Christianity is the only religion that is like based on, you know, experience with this resurrected savior, you know? So. Yeah, that is, that is what Christianity, absolutely. That there's no, so. you have, there's no, like in different religions even ones that may have a savior that you approach it's through so many barriers mm-hmm. that you can't ever really get to him and that's your whole life is experiencing barriers to one day maybe be, have a glimpse and a chance the whole point of the beauty of christianity and what makes it separate is that you don't have to wait eight lives and 10 you know whatever you don't have to do nine thousand things he wants you as you are you are not unclean you are clean you're made clean by him and he wants to be in a relationship with you you're not separated from god but yet a brother to god he wants to be you want he wants to meet you today not tomorrow he wants to empower you today not tomorrow he wants to befriend you today not tomorrow you know what i mean like it's not a different day for a different person and a different life that you achieve and do he's achieved it for you 
come into him and become one with him. You know, that's the beauty of Christianity yeah. and of the relationship with God. And so someone that sees God, I feel like they may, that you, your first question before that was what I would categorize them as is maybe they've been teached off by, put off by teaching. They've been put off by crappy Old Testament scriptures with bad teaching yet again or understanding of their own understanding. Uh, I mean, there's lots of different categories you could put them in, but some people have read it all and then came to the bad conclusion. You know, they maybe not have, you know, they've, or something, or maybe some people are reading it, honestly, and they don't like what they read and they just don't really like God. They don't like the Bible. I don't know. Yeah. They just have, they can't come to terms with it. It doesn't, some things don't set well with the natural man because it's not a natural principle. Yeah. That's the other thing about the Bible is that we see is when you, that we know as a Christian is that when you, be, some of the things are not natural ideas. That when you become a Christian and you follow God, he writes the law in your heart. He becomes different. You become a different person. You know, you desire different things and you desire new things. Some of it, it's hard to see. It's kind of muddy for me looking back. Some of it I can't tell is did God give me that desire to do these things differently or was it me wanting to fit in with the culture that I was around? Yeah. But I do know he gave me a new joy of life, a new purpose for life a new you know reason for life he he took away my exactly. desire to displease him which is sin yeah and a desire to please him which is not sin you know what i'm saying and I, i'm not was like i said so some of the actual behaviors that i may have switched or done were probably because of my culture of my holiness culture and my crazy culture i was in of my church but it doesn't mean that my desire – he gave me, though, the desire to do that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm not going to discount God giving me a desire to please him. And I thought it to be pleasing to him to do what everybody else was doing in certain scenarios. But it doesn't change the fact that before God became a part of my life, I could would have cared less what the, any church was doing. I would never have tried to please him or even cared that if I was pleasing him. Yeah, I liked what you I said. I liked what you said a second ago about hope. Um I was because I was thinking about it earlier today when I was doing all my deep thinking and praying and whatever. Um, I was thinking like, you know, out of all the things I could live without, like the one thing that I cannot live without that God gives me is hope for the future. Hope that there's something more than this, more than waking up yeah. at 530 in the morning, going to work, coming home, hanging out with the wife hanging out with friends, doing podcasting, playing video games, and then waking up and doing it all over. If that's all there is, I would be depressed. That, yeah. Like, what would like, what would this all be worth? So that's the one thing I can't, I can't let go of that. Yeah, I, I can, I could live without anything else in this world almost, but I, that I cannot live like that is the last thing that I would choose to drop is living without a hope of something better than this. Yeah, and that's so. because Jesus is anchored in your soul. I mean, no matter where you go, he's yeah. anchored you to heaven, and he's clinging us there. That's what we want. That's what, again, Scripture. But what we know is that's the truth because he's clinging us. He's anchored us to heaven, and yeah. we don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that. That's my main thing too is no. I want to be anchored there, but I want to have the more. That's the what God gives us. That's the so the cool thing about the sep once the, the same thing that separates us is once we get together and Christian, we have a relationship with the living God to yeah. set me on a mission and to give me a purpose and to give me the more, 
to something more, you know, and that's always what, that's what the cool thing about me of, that's the cool thing about being, living life uncertain, stepping out in faith. I mean, I can, I see everything. I see that I need a job. I see mm-hmm. that I got to come home. I see that I got to pay my car payment. And those are, they'll take no faith to do any of that. It doesn't take any uncertainty no. and it's boring and monotonous, but with God, it's new. It's mm-hmm. life. It's, it gives you zeal and passion to do the, something crazy to the natural mind, but yeah. awesome when it, be- <laughs> and it's the, the so cool when it becomes real. Like when yeah. you're like, Oh my gosh, this is, I did all this stuff on a limb and a whim and it's become to, to fruit. And sometimes that takes a long time to even see, you know, you go through all these processes of like, is this thing really faith? I'm so uncertain. Like I was so stupid. This is wrong. I'm going to quit. Oh wait, no, it's not. And then you talk yourself <laughs> back and it's just, the longer the journey between fruition, the longer you waver, but the night that you just keep pressing in and when it finally culminates, man, that there's no feeling like it in the world to yeah. way to know that it just cements you with God even farther and be just, you become an addict, man. Like yeah. it's, there's nothing more exactly. awesome than, and I'll never forget that. That's how I know God is real because I've pressed into him and tested him in faith ways like that. Not faith yeah. with going to a church or if I've not, I've tested him with faith and blah, blah, blah. Like I've pressed into him and given him my everything. You know, yeah, I mean, I've built think... a freaking boat in the desert and said, okay, yeah. is it going to rain? You know what I mean? Anytime now, bro. And it rained. You know what I mean? And when it did, I was, I'm, I'm hooked. And I know that I know that God is real. And those yeah. are the moments that I can't ever live without or I don't want to stop ever having another one again. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think I'm ever. <laughs> going to decide that God's real because he makes sense or because, yeah. you know, it, it's logical because Well, again, if he's not in logical. your eight-pound brain, he's not God. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. I mean, it's not going to. Yeah. And you can't stop believing. I mean, to me, I, I could not believe in God if I wanted to. I mean, even if he somebody told me, you know what I mean? I just can't. I've, I've experienced, I've pressed in in faith, like I said, and I've experienced stuff. I mean, that'd be a cool topic for another time. I mean, if you ever wanted me back on, <laughs> I yeah. forgot we're even on a podcast. I thought we were just talking for a bit. I <laughs> back on this podcast and, uh, I could, uh, I would love, that'd be a fun to talk about sometime is yeah, whenever realized you realize faith. Let me know. Uh, cause I've had a lot, I've had a lot of cool boat building moments where all of a sudden, you know, waiting and pressing in and giving him everything and seeing it happen, man. That's pretty fun. It's pretty crazy. And those moments too is when you remember those moments, man, that's when you ready to jump back onto God's lap and say, yes, you know, like those are the things you don't ever want to forget, man. Anybody that's listening, don't ever forget that moment that God, that you pressed in, in faith and God pressed back. Those are the times that you know he's real, you know? I mean, those are the times that keep me hanging on. Those are the Honestly. times it should keep you hanging on. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, they keep you hanging on to life and everything, man. That's what should push us forward, too, is moments like that. And not living in past moments of glory, but future moments of glory. That's mm-hmm. that's, that's just what I want, man. It's just future moments of glory. Always be pushing in in something with faith. And those, it's always weird. It's always kind of uncertain again, and it's very rocky in those moments, but, you know, I, that's where I want, man. I want to, I want those moments because they lead to great places, you know, and that's where I feel like, you know, it's been a scary couple years being apart, but I know God's got me a story coming, yeah. <laughs> you know, these last few years of uncertainty and doing different things. I know eventually it's going to turn and his glory is going to be revealed in a new way that I'll have another story that's like, 
dude, you're never going to believe it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have an ending to this story that's going to be super awesome. <laughs> yeah. Know? I can't wait for it. Um, so. Yeah, man, for sure. I feel like, um, do you remember we had that conversation a while back ago, the glory to glory? I feel like I'm getting out of that two place, you know, that middle place <laughs> that we're talking about. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I say for you and for me and everybody else that might be listening, you know, don't, let's just like my one pastor friend told me, you know, to kind of wrap it up is that don't let people discourage us. You know, all these Christians in boxes that have built this incorrect view of the solo scriptura and blah, blah, blah. And like, don't let them take their box and, and their certainty and make us feel like we're, you know, like idiots we're the and wrong we're not ones. even saved or yeah. whatever for going and pressing out beyond things. And I know, hey, my walk doesn't look like your ultra Christian holy walk that you've built up. You know, I know that. I'm not stupid. I went to your church. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I've read it. I've studied it. I know that I'm not doing it right. You know, I know that I'm not doing it right according to your eyes. I know I smashed that box up that you're living in and recycled that bad boy and cut it up into <laughs> pieces. You know, like I know that I'm not doing it that way. But I'm looking for the a different God, a new God, and that doesn't have boxes or lids or tape. I'm done making boxes, fences and walls, you know what I mean? Like I want a new experience. I I don't yeah. want to throw away my bible, but I want to I want to live a new in a new revelation. You know what I mean? I want to use that as my launching pad just to help kind of steer me, you know, to keep God my perspective of God on a right path. But man, I'm so ready for a new yeah, a new idea and a new a new version of my beliefs in God, you know, that wraps into all of Christianity, not my one little church box that I used to live in, you know, so. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, yeah. I should keep it into an hour. My phone's an hour and 15 minutes. I don't know. We're, We're uh, right. An hour. Yeah, just a little close to that. It's not bad, though. So. All right. You meant to edit it down. Everybody, if you're asleep by now, <laughs> wake up. Oh, no. Drooling. We've been going like an hour and a half, hour 40 minutes lately. So this is Yeah, nothing. I saw that. <laughs> it, it makes it into two parts. I, I listen to you guys in two parts now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a two-parter. It's just what it, what it is, you know? <laughs> it's okay. I like it. It's yeah. fun. All well, right. Thanks well, for having uh, me on and all you prodigals and pilgrims out there. Thanks for putting up with me for an hour. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And uh, if you're listening, take the minute to go to iTunes, give us a like and a review. Um, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pilgrims of Prodigals at Gmail. Just, uh, yeah, stay in community with us and let us know what you guys want to hear. And I uh, hope you guys are enjoying our journey. And uh, I'll see you next week. See ya.